Episode 18 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, the only podcast where Mark and Sarah talk about thongs. And I mean the sandals, not the bikini. Don't be nasty. I am your host. What about the Cisco song? (laughs) Okay, well, we're always talking about that. But honestly, so is most of America. Oh, I know. I mean, we all have dumps like a what? That's actually not the song we're talking about today, but we should put that on the list. Anyway, my name is Mark Blankenship, and with me, as always, is my fantastic co-host, Sarah Bunt, Sarah D. Bunting. Oh, thank you. You're very sweet. And also with us today is uh, the brand spanking new Early Girl Incorporated Special Projects Liaison, Olivia. Hi, Hi. Olivia. Hello. So... Olivia is joining us today for a, I was going to say a three-way discussion of songs. That sounds nasty, and <laughs> well, we are not nasty. Well, I mean, we are, but not in that uh, way. way. Cisco would like that, I think, though. Yeah, he, yeah. he would, wherever he is um, in his pool cleaning business. Actually, <laughs> the minute we're done with this, I'm totally going to look up what Cisco with a Q is up to, because I'm kind of curious. Um, so... My idea for this episode was to pit two versions of Stairway to Heaven against each other. The um, turn of the millennium reggae Elvis impersonation band Dread Zeppelin and the queen of our hearts, Ms. Dolly Parton. Amen. But then a new wrinkle was introduced, and I don't mean uh, to my forehead while trying to edit this uh, podcast. Mark... Can you um, tell the listeners a little bit about your experience with the original Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin? All right. Well, what I will tell you is this. I got Sarah's suggestion for this week, and I thought, oh, interesting. And then I had to acknowledge that I don't think I had ever heard the original Stairway to Heaven before. And I mean the original, original Led Zeppelin version. I had, of course heard of the song because i live i in the think world. what you said is that you must have heard yes. it but you were not aware were not aware of it which that sort of qualifier made more sense to yes. me. but it really is extremely difficult like my sister-in-law has never seen the original star wars like not even part of it Ew, how that is hard to do like you never even walked through a room where my brother was watching it you've been married to him for 10 years nope she has never seen it so i think that That it's hard to do i am sure yes as someone who worked in a mall as someone who had an uncle who was a teenager in the 70s as someone who grew up adjacent to people who love leonard skinnard i am sure that at some point in my life i heard Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. And in fact, I remember one time I was in an art class at a Bible school, I want to say, where we had to carve little shapes into potatoes and then dip them in paint. And then we would put the little potato stamps onto paper. And then we had... Oh, yeah. Potato printing. Love it. Exactly. And then we had to make a name for whatever we had put on the paper. And I had done a series of stars going up in a diagonal line and i called it stairway to heaven so clearly this was and this was when i was maybe eight and still going to bible school which if you know me tells you something uh so clearly (laughs) i've been aware at least of the term and again i must have heard the song but when i re-listened 
well, re-listened. When I listened to the Led Zeppelin version in preparation for today, I swear to God, it was like I had never heard it before. I, I well, anyway, so we won't. Let's let's no go bells no further, were ringing. I think with that until we hear an excerpt from the Led Zepp original. Yes, let's hear the original now, and then um, perhaps Mark feels some brand new ways about this uh, hoary old classic, and I do mean hoary. <laughs> and did you know your stairway lies on the whispering wind? deal if, if you'll indulge me both i hope you will both indulge me if i make a somewhat twisty metaphor hmm. uh yes please i sorry we're both like fanning ourselves over here yeah it's, we're like we yeah, were jammed there's just like a lot of guitar penis feelings <laughs> so please metaphorize away so until i started to write about the show damages for a marathon diary i'm doing over at previously tv a friend of the podcast i had this thing with Rose Byrne where every time I would see her in a movie or on television or even in the Broadway revival of You Can't Take It With You that she was in a few seasons ago, I would forget that I had ever seen her before. And I would think, who is this interesting new actress that I've never heard of? And how did she get such a large role in Bridesmaids? And then I would see her name and I would be like, oh, damn, that was Rose Byrne? How do I never remember? And what I have discovered upon hearing this song intentionally is that I clearly would never have remembered hearing it before because there is something about this song that as I'm listening to it, it slides off my brain. I have no opinion about Stairway to Heaven because I find it the most nondescript, forgettable song. I have no opinion. I, I Even as I was listening to this clip, I was like, this isn't happening. It's like, I can't my brain is just like, you shall not focus on this. You shall immediately start looking at your bookshelf. I mean, there's nothing about this that song is, that sticks with me. That is so interesting. And as you're saying that, like, I don't know what I expected you to say. And my, like this, I was a classic rock radio girl growing up. The, this song played like, 
at least three times a day on local classic rock radio because it's eight minutes long and if you a dj have to take a quick dump <laughs> this, is, this, this, song, <laughs> this song your boy so i mean oh like, put I that on a grading card college radio dj and he like had a jazz show and he would still put this on he was like yeah you know i need to drop one and would put this song on and then come running back in and talk about how it influenced ornette coleman which no it didn't but i i appreciated the uh he's trying yeah, like, I appreciated the effort. Um, but listening to this song again, and especially, I've chosen more or less the same section of the break, which is like, this is sort of like a two or three part song. There's like a long lead up. There's all this like um, bad poetry foreplay. And then you get into the guitar break and the rock screaming. And like, this song is baked into my DNA. And I was surprised at how reliably I would be headbanging when the guitar break yeah yeah came in even when it was like dolly's dixie choir which we'll get to (laughs) um that and like i've seen videos of this and like robert plant and jimmy page wearing these unbelievably tight pants unbelievably big shoes i am told this guitar break jimmy page makes it sound easy but it's not easy i don't play guitar i don't know but you're saying that it like slid out of your brain sort of reminds me of the experience of reading catcher in the rye when i was like 25 and i was like <laughs> i think if you read this at the right age that this is very affecting and resonant yeah but the fact is this is such a standard rock song that i think if you hear it for the first time too late you've already heard like all the things that evolved from this rock song yeah yeah and so you're like, but I've, I've heard this. Like, I think if you've heard all the other rock that happened in between, this probably sounds pretty generic, but like, this is like generic means of a, you know, of a genus, of a family. And this like is the founding seed yep. of that family. But I don't, I don't think that response on your part is like inappropriate or shocking at all. I think it's too bad. It yeah, it's bad. like I just yeah. I just got to the party too late, like because my really didn't get to the party until like three days ago. Um, yeah, but I think it just is one of those things. That, like sometimes you come to shit too late, and it's like if you've seen everything that came after the thing. Right. It, it was like when I watched. Um, my mother would force us to rent like actual quality films sometimes, and she brought home Citizen Kane, and we're like, "Big Whoop, Focus Pull." My mother's like, "Bitches, Orson Welles invented the Focus Pull." Right. <laughs> Um, and then, like, we watched it again. We were like, oh, this is actually really well done and a well-told story. And But, like, he was the sort of grandfather of all these film schooly things that were like, so? Right. Yeah, I think you can appreciate the fact that it's, like, helped bring this age of rock in, but you can't really feel it. Well, you and know in your brain. Olivia, you I'm interested to know yeah. because um, Olivia is... Um, you're younger than us, and that it makes me wonder 17. when in your life did you first hear this song? Had you heard it before? Did you have any kind of prior relationship to it before we all sat down together today? I mean, yeah, my whole family is big into rock. I don't remember the first time I heard this song because I think that's how ingrained it is. Yeah, I mean, me neither. Like, huh. I don't, it, I've always lived in a world where this was like the classic rock song, this and Freebird. 
So Which is another song I don't know that I've I've never heard that song on purpose either, and I'm must have heard that. I'm from the South, for God's sake. But I <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I am pretty sure I just if we if we played a few bars of that you would know it. But but I, but I can't say that for sure because look at what happened here. You know, it's true. I have this whole theory too that there's something about this type of music and the type of people that grew up around that I grew up around who liked this type of music that also for me forced me to in a way not like it I think because the types of boys who liked this type of music were also the boys who were aggressively homophobic to me all the time mm. or who were if not aggressively homophobic to me directly were just aggressively homophobic to in the general world and were always calling each other fags or whatever and I have a lot of associations with this type of music where I'm instantly turned off because I emotionally associate this type of music with people that I don't want to ever be around. And obviously that does not include my fine company today, or in fact the millions of people who I quite love or would love, or at least like, who like this type of music. But there's just something about this cock rock from the 70s that isn't Queen or David Bowie or, you know, like glam, that that I just can't. I just can't do it. And I think that there is something to this theory that I've never espoused before, but I'm saying now, I really think that's part of it too. Like my brain won't let me hear it in a way. Yeah, I I think that's valid, and I think your stereotype like that. Um, I don't know if that persists today. With like, even though Led Zeppelin are British, this is kind of in a lane. I feel like with with Skinnerd, yeah, and with um, um, like Little Feet, and with that, like for whatever reason, this tends to be bundled in with some of this like more chicken fried rock and but also like growing up in jersey this was like the introduction to being a metalhead Mm. basically right so that guy was a hesher with a sticky mullet and a stinky black megadeth t-shirt and he hadn't cleaned under his fingernails since ford was president and they they could be a little um just gross and creepy well rapey implies a competence yeah um but yeah they were they were just like very id and so from the um yeah you from know the het standpoint that was like all of a piece that there was this like and look the sexuality in the song is aggressive and it's meant to be aggressive it's led zeppelin right but the practitioners of the song are, I think, much more nuanced than the like male f- straight fans of the song. But that's and that's totally yeah, and fair. Think- and it's also true that I am not in any way interested in or impressed by the rock god stereotype of the unleashed heterosexual male id. I find it really boring and really stupid. And I always just feel like great because you're sticking up the room with your musk. There are at least 13 people <laughs> who are silenced forever or feel like they can't speak. So why don't you shut up and let mm-hmm. Hart play a song, and then we can all get in on the action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair. That is fair. Meanwhile, I would like, I agree, but I'm willing to grudge fuck these people. Uh, well, fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, and again, I'm, I completely understand how very subjective I am here and that there are plenty of gay men in the world who probably love to throw down with whatever 
Zoso or whatever the Led Zeppelin IV I mean, it totally or the is one like where the penis blimp rock. is collapsing yeah. or who knows. Like the, I know that this is just me and I don't I don't <laughs> the blimp is collapsing. <laughs> you know the one. I don't so I'm not I, I'm not yeah, speaking that's for like all people. all of these videos the Hindenburg just like blowing up yes. and you're like uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, so uh, well I Olivia, what were you going to say? Yeah. Oh, I was going to talk about like growing up in the millennia and all of that. Being punk has, like, become cool, but back then it wasn't, so you'd get all these kids who were, like, rebelling and being like, I'm not part of this. And then you get the creepy, homophobic, nasty, grungy, sleazy guys. And girls, I guess. And I heard a story, I can't remember where, of this guy who, like, became friends with the punk person who tried to kill him because he was gay. And... I just, I was so shocked that, like, someone who was, like, a rocker would do that. And then I realized that 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 was what it was back then. It was kind of uneducated, grungy people. Oh, yeah. And now it's, like, cool to be into rock or all of that. Like, I was walking down the street in my Ramones shirt yesterday. And, like, 20 different people were like, I love your shirt. Yes. And I felt super cool, but back then, like, not really. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, we should do an episode about the Ramones sometime, because I think, especially in New York, that's like a... They're like a whole separate issue. They're like our... National whatever. bird, so, Yeah, like they're said like yesterday. our state bird. That's what, like, I opened the door yesterday and was like, cool shirt, and then I was talking about how they're the state bird of New York City. But <laughs> I think now, like, whenever this song came out, I think that... Um, you were much more defined by the type of music that you listened to and that it was very, um, like there were sort of walls between the genres and what you were and weren't supposed to quote unquote, like as a member of a certain like high school social cast. Mm. Um, I was not in the upper echelon, so I just listened to whatever I wanted but I, I think there are associations with certain like big stadium rock, bands that are not Queen or Styx or David Bowie that are not great. And I, I don't think it's the fault of the artists, certainly. Like, this is not a Trump situation. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> and, like, Robert Plant is now in a long-term romantic relationship with Patty Griffin, and they make, like, beautiful folk music together. So it, it clearly has nothing to do with him or the people in his band. Like, the whole thing around the band is not the band's fault to an extent i mean yeah it's like uh oh there, there are just so many examples of where the fans of things are all, sometimes make it hard to get through and see the work itself yeah Ooh, that's true but speaking um, of fans you know who was clearly a fan of this music dread zeppelin <laughs> <laughs> that was an excellent segue Thank you. um Let's, we're going to listen to a clip from Dread Zeppelin in a second. Um, Wonderful. But I think, I'm wondering what you think of the song as seen through the lenses of Dread Zeppelin and Dolly Parton, uh, if that makes a difference. So let's uh, listen to the Dread clip and then we'll talk a little bit about that.
Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, so... Boy, this was like 1990, yeah. right? Or like 89, somewhere in there that this was happening. I, I think that's right. I think... I remember my brother and I were, for some reason, like, obsessed with this CD, which is called One Million, um, the summer after I graduated from college and moved back home. So that was 94, but I think this album came out a couple years before that. And I forget, he probably heard it on WFMU, um, the source of all good things, independent radio in Jersey. Mm. Hmm. Well, actually, I... uh so tell me so so you guys liked this album i assume right like you were really into uh yeah i mean it's it's gimmicky but it's not like we bought the entire catalog and like went to their concerts although actually i kind of wish that i could go to one of the concerts (laughs) um this it's sort of sneaky because it is a gimmick like there's this you know there's the king singing in his (laughs) elvis voice and then they're like reggaeing up these arrangements, but he actually has an excellent voice. Like we didn't hear it in this particular clip, but he has this like rise of like an octave and a half. And then he sustains the note. Like he's a really good singer and the guitar is different, but it's almost note for note the same. And then he has a little spoken word thing at the end. That's really funny. And then someone comes in with finger symbols. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was just funny and it was like a good summer song to like drive around with your sibling in your small town and drink slurpees and right wave to people you didn't know i don't know like it didn't take itself so seriously because i think another knock on the original is that it is this um turgid would be the word i would use sure that it's very like the stately procession up to the guitar gasm and then there's a whole bunch of screaming and fucking and <laughs> it's like this is like a little more fun that it's like hey you know let's take a stairway to heaven that sounds neat <laughs> you guys what's this over here is it an escalator to hell no it's a stairway to heaven great no. what's on this potato print it's a stairway to heaven made of stars to go to there made of totally stars made of stars um olivia had you heard this before i have but only because she told me to listen to it <laughs> <laughs> did you what did you think of it compared to the original I am like a rock purist. It like my brain is confused by it because we've got like Elvis and then we've got the like reggae sound. So and I know the words it's very hard to decipher, but I like it in a weird way. I feel like Elvis is a genre. Elvis is his own. Yeah, he's his own genre, the E genre. Um but yeah, it works for me, Mark. Well, I mean, this just, again, like, this listening to this clip just reminded me, too, that I never care about or am interested in a guitar solo, like, get on with it, please, is always my, like, we're going to go, we're going to go, like, 95 seconds without any singing. I'm not here for that, unless I'm, like, watching tap dancing on a Broadway stage. And I know I sound like the most, like, it's like, I just... (laughs) Again, Got to just, episode just... 121 where I'm making us talk about Van Halen's eruption again and Mark stabs me in the eye with a knitting needle. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, Mark oh. and Sarah talk about Discord would actually be the name of the podcast at that Mark, point. Mark talks about how he was totally justified in murdering Sarah at the end. <laughs> so again, it's I feel like in a way this is a parody of something and I don't know the source material, so it's also hard for me to appreciate the parody. Okay. So I, it's like I feel like I'm learning so much about you. This yes. Is 
I, I mean, mean, I'm going to be murdered at the end. That's too bad. But yeah, this is very interesting. So again, it's like, but I, I can appreciate intellectually that this is. Uh, so as with the original version, I can appreciate intellectually that this, that the Led Zeppelin version was like, okay, this is a song that has meaning in the history of music. Like I know that I need to be aware of that. I just don't care about it, which is also how I feel about the Beatles. But that's neither here. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I mean, mm-hmm. the, a lot, a lot is going on, listeners. Yeah, a lot. Uh, but like, so again, it's like the there's just like a whole swath of this like music from the '60s and '70s that I'm like, eh, I guess <laughs> I, I mean, I need to know about it, but. Eh. And with this, it's like, well, yeah, he does have a nice voice, but he's just singing like Elvis, and okay, and this guitar solo is going on forever, and I don't really ever. I don't know how to lo- guitar solos don't speak to me they don't affect me they don't reach me even god bless the slashes guitar solo in November Rain that we talked about a few weeks ago would not have meant anything to me had I not had the visual of the music video and I think okay, this is also just something about how my brain works like I just don't this is just not how music gets to me so anyway if, if we had furnished perhaps I mean probably not but do you think um, because I, I agree with you that I think your experience of music is, is tied, not exclusively, but is tied closely to the visual experience of it. Do you think that if I had sent you the, like, whatever, 12 minute version of them performing it, of them performing it live in which you can see every pore of Jimmy Page's little Jimmy, yep. uh, I mean, would look, that I have made a difference? Do you think? I mean, leaving well, aside the fact that he dresses right, which you can't leave aside because the camera is right there, girl. Right there. Well, I must, I don't know. I, I don't think that my experience of music is totally visual because I listen to so much music and like... Is it more I, words then? But like words are important to me. Always, always, always. I have been someone who cares about lyrics more than I care about music. And I can remember in high school always this coming up and like my friends and I always having this debate and the lyrics really have always mattered to me and that's why I can listen to and really love stripped down folk and mountain music which musically sometimes is not that sophisticated or is at least is or is at least very simple but that the focus on the storytelling is so strong that I really get moved by it so the narrative experience of music is often more important to me than the sheer aural experience of music if that makes sense yeah no that makes sense and i i sort of agree i mean this is a whole different discussion about um how how music is experienced when you are seeing it and the effect of the mtv era that i am absolutely not qualified and this podcast will be 48 hours long if we try to attempt it but it is an interesting thing it's an interesting thing to think about, like, and also I think there are just some songs that, like, they, they hit some people in a certain way and they don't hit other yeah, people. Because, and you know, again, I, I don't, I have to like really. It's like cilantro. Re- <laughs> I really have to reject the notion that I only experience music visually because I, I, like, there, I'm now thinking about. Oh, no, about, no, like, I wasn't, I wasn't saying that you did. I just said, like, based on the amount of discussions we've had where we have discussed the video i was wondering right. if that sort of but you know i don't know but like i mean it's that's definitely a huge factor in it but then i'm just thinking about there are so many artists that i listen to that i've never seen 
Like, I don't know what they're like visually or like this, some of my favorite songs. And even then it's like, I don't know. Sometimes it really is just the beat of a song that hits me or what. I, I don't know. I, sh I was oversimplifying my point. But in this case, this type of rock music, all of those things were true about the music and the words and the solos and the boredom and whatever. But that leads <laughs> me now to Dolly Parton's version, about which I have a slightly different set of emotions. Uh, I thought that might be true, and this may be the saving grace of uh, this song for Mark. Let's have a listen. You can This is just very much about my personal experience of music, but this I find incredibly moving. Like the, I totally emotionally, intellectually, whatever, I totally connect and snap into this song in like one second now. Huh. And, and there's there's something about the use of the gospel in the and the gospel voices that we just heard in this clip. There's something about the clarity and precision of her singing. There's something about the use of those instruments, which I grew up. Also hearing those all the time, but I, I also grew up hearing rocks. I don't. I, it's like I don't really. I can't really give you like a, a purely rational, critical explanation for this. But this type of music speaks to me immediately, and I think there's something about the use of the harmonies in the voices. There's something about the 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 sound of Dolly Parton's voice and the way that she belts that I find incredibly powerful. But it's just that like that swell of gospel sound and that bluegrass sound that, because this is from one of Dolly Parton's three bluegrass albums. This is, uh, I just find it, I got a chill, honestly, listening to it just now. So this for me also makes me hear the lyrics differently. And I'm like, right, I actually find this to be sort of very stirring. And I wouldn't have expected this when I was listening to this because I heard this third and I was like, oh, I'm going to probably like it just because it's Dolly. But I wasn't expecting it to now then become a song that I really wanted to hear again. And that's that's my tea from Dolly P. It's brought uh, from a fresher place. Yeah, like, I um, Yeah, it does. It does seem to be much more like overtly religious and rooted in. um like a straight gospel tradition. Um, Robert Plant has said that he really likes this version. 
is totally into it. Uh, I don't think he had any comment on Dread Zeppelin. I would <laughs> have to look that up. <laughs> no comment. Actually, he is... did say, I will say, he. I looked it up. He did say, not, not Stairway to Heaven, but there's some other Led Zeppelin song that they covered that he felt they had done the superior version of. Uh, well, their name is Dread Zeppelin. So yeah, hello. Duh. Yeah. Um, there, I, we have talked before about um, the, like the build of a song, like the construction of a song. And I think this is where you see that um, the, like the bones of this song and how it's built, I think, are solid and are effective. But the like whatever happens like whatever flooring you put in the house whatever roof you put on the house like before it was not speaking to you but the way dolly like tricked out the frame right spoke to you um so yeah i think it's really interesting that we've talked about this before in our um episode about supreme's covers like why why do certain covers succeed is it because of the song itself or uh, like it is the song sort of idiot proof or is there something about this person's interpretation of it that allows the song to do something different from what it used to do? Um, right. I'm not sure what the answer is. I do think I totally forgot about this until just now, but here's a weird connection for you. Here's this Elvis impersonator doing the song. And then here's Dolly doing the song with a gospel choir. Elvis's only Grammy was for gospel music. Oh, oh, that's I always forget that. That's so weird. Yeah, um, that's a total coincidence that I'm sure has literally nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. But uh, I'm as my therapist says, if you made the connection, it's significant. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I so I take it that if you had to pick one of these to bring to a desert island, you're taking the Dolly version, Mark. One hundred percent. Yes. Uh, but I. I am not sure I disagree, but I'm going to I'm going to wait. Olivia, of these 3, if you only could listen to one forever, which one is it going to be? Original, Dolly or Dread? Not Dread. That just confuses my brain a little too much, but I really like the Dolly Parton one because like you said, it is taking a whole new look at this song and focusing on the words and the more pure not in the religious aspect, but the more pure aspect of it. I don't know how else to word that. But yeah, I think yeah, I think she does like I think she spent some time thinking about what these lyrics meant and you know, who knows if they meant anything. And also just as the, the artist, it's like Led Zeppelin is very grungy and sweaty and druggy. And Dolly Parton seen through the eyes of people she's a beautiful blonde southern woman who sings really great beautiful music and it's just coming from completely different places and the completely different fan bases as well like back then you had the grungy fan base who were creepy and then you've got dolly parton's fan base who are really most for the most part wholesome wonderful southern people well, and I think there's also, I think she was one of the artists who crossed over between rock and country yeah. first, but before her doing that, it was, it was pretty separate. It was like country, Western music, and then rock. So yeah, then you, it was honestly, it was Kenny Rogers, Glenn Campbell and Dolly Parton. Kenny. Yeah. And, and uh, who, who was the other one who had a theme park? 
Conway Twitty. Conway Twitty, Twitty City, sure. Which then Twitty became do- which then became that a real thing? like it's the same property. Oh really? Yes. Because I always wondered that. It was like we used to get ads for that in Jersey. Like why? We're not fucking going to Twitty City. Um, <laughs> But I liked saying Twitty City, and then I always wondered what happened to it. Like, how did it and Dollywood coexist? And now I know that it's because it's the same structure. Speaking of structure. They say you can still hear the ghosts of Twitty City howling (laughs) through the trees in Dollywood. Oh, man. That's like how, um, for a long time, we're back to Elvis again, but the tours would be going through Graceland, but his Aunt Delta was still alive, and she still lived there. And she'd be, like, just fixing herself a tuna sand, and people are just walking through on their way to the jungle room. She's like, hey, y'all. Hey. What it? Well, now, speaking of going off to the jungle, if you did go to the jungle, Sarah, which of these three versions would you take? You must answer. Death is I not an option. I must answer. Um, I, well, this is, this is tough. Um, I forgot until I was, like, re-listening to it over the last couple days how much I really do like the original. But here's the thing. The ability to fast forward to, quote, the good part. Just, like, skip over all the sort of um, aural wandering through the mist on a Yorkshire estate and, you know, get to the part where you're, like, getting drunk and tearing shit up. Uh, It takes a while. The first part of the song is pretty boring and pretentious, yeah, yeah. and both Dolly and Dread chop off like two minutes off the total length of the song. So that is a point in their favor. And also, I love this entire album from Dolly Parton. And the first time I heard this song in the car, I almost drove off the road like gospel dancing yeah. while trying to steer on the Jersey Turnpike. So, <laughs> with, of course, <laughs> a, a um, very flourishy hat tip. To uh, Messieurs Page and Plant, I have to go with Dolly. Oh, shit! Oh, my goodness. She is the queen of our hearts, as promised before. As promised. And now it's official. A little less conversation, a little more action, please. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is a weekly podcast created and hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. If you'd like to request a song for discussion or share the mixtape of your soul, we are all about it. Send us an email at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or visit our brand spanking new Facebook page. That's mastess.podcast, or just search Facebook for Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Today's theme music was written and performed by David Gregory Byrne. And if you'd like to buy an ad, we welcome you. Advertise your business, send a personal message, or just hum a few bars. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com to get started with your advertising journey. Until next week, this is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this... And this was Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.